Heads up, listeners, we just wanted to let you know ahead of time that there's going to be some discussion of slavery in this episode. So just a quick content warning if that's going to be difficult for you. Feel free to skip this one. We'll see you next time. This is an ISN exclusive presented here for the first time. I've just been briefed by my government and I'm prepared to issue the following statement. I have reason to believe that they also carry weapons of mass destruction to be used against our people. You sound angry about it. We will never fall back. We will never surrender. Did we get that? Tell me we got that. Did we get it? It's a calm, pleasant environment. I don't think I've ever seen anyone get upset here. Hello, and welcome to Who Are You? A Babylon 5 watchcast by a couple of strangers, now friends, who are getting to know each other over one of their favorite shows from their childhood, Babylon 5. I'm Laura. And I'm Jafer. And today I get to ask Jafer, what do you want? You still haven't answered my question, Ambassador. What do you want? Oh, what do you mean, what do I want? What do you want? Do you really want to know what I want? Do you really want to know the truth? Come on, I really, really, really want to zig a zig Does that answer your question? Um, I want to feel better. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's, uh... It's my birthday I know. today. Happy birthday. Thank you. And my roommate got me COVID for my birthday. <laughs> really the worst roommate move. <laughs> no, it's no, he's <laughs> he's been he's been really good about quarantining himself and having to take care of him. It's fine. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a joke. I'm not actually upset at him at all. And he actually made a very large apology about giving me COVID for my birthday to me this morning. And I've never been someone who like it's my birthday, whatever. Like mm-hmm. It's also a Sunday. It's not like you're going to tear up the town on a Sunday night. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was going to go bowling. I hey. kind of like set up bowling with my mom and my sister and uh, my aunt and a couple of my friends yeah. um, in the area. We kind of like a low key, just maybe like eight or nine of us kind of a thing. Because almost everyone I know had knows someone or has had COVID in like the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's crazy right now. Sure does, doesn't it? To the point where I'm actually low-key kind of glad I have COVID right now, I think. Mm-hmm. Because it means that I will be fine by the time Star Trek Las Vegas rolls around. Yeah, definitely. In in two weeks. And I'll be like, I'll have fresh immunity of the current mm-hmm. variant for this giant gathering of nerds that I've been looking forward to for a very long time. So Yeah, you'll be walking around with those fresh antibodies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that good, good antibody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not too bad right now. I'm I'm low key miserable. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a headache and my voice is hoarse. So if uh, I I don't think I, I don't expect to lose my voice by the end of this episode, but I'm going to do more talking in the next hour than I have done in the last two days. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry in advance, listener. We'll see when we get there. We'll carry you through it. We'll get through it. I appreciate it. I'm really I was really sorry about the way this week shook out that we were going to have to record on your birthday at all. And then when you told me you felt bad this morning, I was like, oh, I'm a bad friend. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> well, we'll get through it. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. So not a whole lot besides that. Um, I hope that I, f- I want to feel better. That's that's what I want this time. We and want I that will, for you too. I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's not it's not bad. Um, I had COVID in September of 2020 mm-hmm. and that was bad. Yeah. I don't know if I talked about that at all on pod. Uh, I don't know if I have. You, 
I don't remember if we have either. I know you've mentioned it to me privately. Okay, yeah, I had it. I mean, I was not hospitalized, but I had two flags for hospitalization that if they had progressed one half step further, I would have been hospitalized. Yeah. My blood oxygen dropped to just about 90, which mm -hmm. is you go drop below 90, that's the hospital that's line. That's bad, yeah. <laughs> and then I had a resting heart rate of 138 for about 24 hours. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. That that beat me up bad. That That was the worst part of it, to be perfectly honest. Well, I have my fingers crossed that your immunity boosting and your, you know, this is a different variant yeah. doesn't. And I'm all vaxxed up and yep. boosted and all that. And so. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, the most I can do right now is just be good to my body, hydrate. Mm -hmm. I made a ton of bread and soup stock yesterday, anticipating Smart. not being able to do it for the next couple of days if it takes a turn. So I'm well prepared. All right. Everybody think good thoughts for Jafar this week. Mm. <laughs> By the time you're listening to this, hopefully I'll be feeling yeah, better. Yeah, I really hope so. <laughs> so we're wishing for Jafar to get better. And today we're going to talk about one of my favorite episodes. I'll just start spoiling the end of this episode for everyone. And now yeah. for a word. Season two, episode 14. Yeah. It's Dateline, yo. It, that's exactly what I wrote down. I said, open on a Dateline ISN intro. <laughs> I I have to wonder if this episode were made today, if it would get a more John Oliver style treatment. Oh, yeah. Okay. I could see that. Or would it get like one of those YouTube news station mm. kind of? Yeah. Young Turk style feels, kind of thing. Yeah. This, this very much feels of its time, much more so yes. than most things in Babylon 5. Mm -hmm. Not counting the CGI. This felt firmly like I was watching 90s news for a minute. Yes. I mean, this is smashing a certain nostalgia button for me. I think that's part mm -hmm. of my enjoyment of this episode is that I remember this TV from other contexts. It was a very nice melding of two things that existed in the world at this time. You know, we had our, our yeah. sci-fi show that we love, and then we had this sort of news style that was endemic everywhere. Yeah, and there's a lot of that, too. There's a lot of things that touchstone to our current reality in here. If you scrub to 4159, remaining in the episode because, yeah, because HBO Max is terrible now. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. They haven't canceled Harley Quinn. They still have a chance to not be terrible. <laughs> this is your chance, HBO Max. You better pull it out. Okay, tell us what's here. So this is the space freighter that they're arriving on. Mm-hmm. Look at in the top right corner at the space rearview mirror, and you will see a tree air freshener hanging in the window of the space freighter. Oh my gosh, there it is. That's adorable. <laughs> I love it. They spent CGI money on that. <laughs> I'm glad that we kept the pine tree air freshener into the century. That's yeah. that's an important part of any sort of vehicular travel. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, it looks like it's the uh, the black ice one, though, which I never understood one what that smell was, mm. and two, why you would name something for a car black ice. Maybe that's <gasps> just because I live in Michigan, mm. and that's like a worry here. That's but... a genuine concern. <laughs> yeah. Duh. No, that's great. I love it. Yeah, so one of the things we find out at the beginning here is that we're midway through September at this point mm -hmm. in our Babylon 5 year. Which is fast. Yeah, it's It feels fast. like it's fast, wasn't it? Yeah, because the last season was just a year. Mm -hmm. Right. So we ended on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Right? Went into a little to New Year's Day and passed. But for the most part, season one was just that year. 
and to be in September with almost, well, we got six, seven episodes left. Yeah, it's a lot. We're going to cram a lot into that last quarter, maybe, if if we're sticking yeah. with the year thing, which I honestly don't remember if we did. But if we're sticking with a, a season is equal to a year, which I, mm-hmm. think, I think the intros imply that, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to have a busy last quarter on Babylon 5. Cynthia Torkman's going to be our guide throughout this yeah. episode. She's a, a reporter. She had such an air about her, this actress. Mm-hmm. That I was like, what else have I seen her in? I've got to have seen her in something else. Yeah. And I, I Googled her. And uh, she was a big soap opera actress, which plays well in this episode. But I am not a soap opera watcher, so I, I couldn't really find anything else she'd been in that I'd watched. Did you look up any of the other actors in this episode? Honestly, I didn't. Do you got a good one for me? Oh, just you wait. We'll wait till we get there. You're going to be okay. so excited. I'm happy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, uh, we see the Narn and Centauri fight off the docking bay. We find that this special is uh, sponsored by Interplanetary Expeditions. Hey, we've heard of them which before. Is the same group that sponsored Shitty Mega Man outfit in season one. Uh huh. Yeah, and we <laughs> also heard that that's who Sheridan's wife went off with, right? I think so. That she went off with Interplanetary Expeditions. When, when his right. sister came to the station, I think that they talked about I that. I think that's what they said, yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah. have to double check that, but yeah. So they're sponsoring this right. episode. Good. I asked Erin, like when I was making my notes, we always do our watch through together, and then I make mm-hmm. a notes watch through. I asked him for his thoughts on ISN after watching this episode. Mm-hmm. Because you and I know that there's going to be more with ISN later. Yeah. So he his read on it as someone who's never watched the show before, was that, you know, ISN feel it has an agenda. He's like, I don't feel like it's like our Fox News level agenda. Um, mm-hmm. But the reporter comes off as, as a bit of a muckraker, a bit revisionist. So she's not doing total propaganda, but she asks a lot of really leading questions, which is kind of a slippery slope to be on. For sure. There's one of the, uh, what I would refer to as one of the classic blunders in here, which is they make a point of, calling themselves the most important news station in the galaxy. Oh, no. Which is not quite as bad as the thing that I'm thinking of, which is something that my dad used to say, which given how hard he fell into conservative news media, I think is Mm -hmm. mildly hilarious in Mm -hmm. retrospect. Anyone who tells you that they're the only person you can trust is lying to you. Yeah. Is one of my dad's favorite isms. Mm. Uh, Oh, gosh, I see the irony now. Yeah, like, yeah. so he's just like, if, if someone tells you that you can't trust anyone else with them, they're the one that's lying to you. Always. No fail. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, hmm, building their ISN. Getting there. All right. <laughs> Neat. Yeah, so the ship conflict happens outside Babylon 5. She tells us they're going to spend 36 hours there, which mm-hmm. this is a hell of a lot of shit for 36 hours. Yeah, it's a busy 36 hours for sure. I mean, when you get there and it starts with a fight off the... F- front of the station yep we come back and the ISN crew is filming the aftermath we've got medics running everywhere we're in a docking bay Cynthia tries to get comments from two very busy and very important people in this process yeah. uh, who <laughs> she should really time to ask Dr. Franklin something when he's treating people yeah he's in full triage mode and then Captain Sheridan also dismisses her so we cut to Londo mm-hmm. and he's pontificating about the Narns he just lays it on 
Oh, it's he's blowing so much smoke up her ass that yeah. she's she looks like she's got serious wildfire going on inside her ears. Like this is a problem. <laughs> you know, he's he's talking about that the Narns are violating the spirit of Babylon Five. He's horrified the Narn would put the humans in danger. Our friends. Yeah the humans but there's a really masterful shot at the end of the scene where they pause right after split second right after his statement and we see his face and you just know he's full of shit yeah and we cut to jakar saying that londo's full of shit <laughs> yeah yeah Jakar's calling bullshit as he's west winging through his interview mm. yeah yeah and then we cut to some more bits from a handful of characters we've seen before we got I our favorite doc supervisor. Hey. It's Eduardo Del Vientos. And he reminds us about by any means necessary. He says, mm -hmm. you know, oh, we, we had some trouble, but Sinclair worked it out. And he seems happy and well compensated now. I've been in a lot worse places, let me tell you. And I just love yep. that for him. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, we stand a labor union here on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cynthia keeps doing her some interviews of regular people. And next yeah. goes to Lieutenant Corwin. Who, this is his name. This is when he gets his name. He has not had a name yet until this moment. Really? I didn't realize that. Yep. Awesome. Uh, this is... It's so good. <laughs> it's the best scene that this actor does in this whole show, I think. A hundred percent. So Corwin is getting interviewed and Ivanova is in camera, in focus, but in the background. Hovering, just hovering behind him. Right. And he's just all like, no, no one's ever gotten angry in cnc this is a very safe and good and calm workplace and she's just like nodding and smiling just like yes that doesn't exactly sound like a ringing endorsement blink twice if you need help corwin <laughs> <laughs> he's just lying through his teeth this scene yeah. for me work of art everything's about it about it is perfect so i good. love it <laughs> if you skipped this episode and are listening to this podcast just go watch this one scene yeah. It's worth it. There's there's a couple individual scenes in here that I'm like, you got to watch at yeah. least this scene. This is one of them. We cut to Captain Sheridan's interview, and he's throwing some of those cheesy inspo lines at us. Yeah. I guess it's the old joke. Uh, you don't have to be crazy to work here, but it helps. He's, he's, he's exuding dad boss energy, mm -hmm. which is very different than dad commander energy, to be absolutely clear. Yeah. Um, dad boss energy is... Your guy is like your your shitty boss who was trying to be your friend, mm. you know, but like is just clearly a company dude. Yeah. 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 And that's the vibes from this interview. Sinclair was good at dad commander energy. Well, I think honestly, uh, and we'll talk about it at the end, but this is the episode where Sheridan really, I feel like, becomes the commander of the station. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. In my eyes. And... It's not in one of these interview segments. Like, this is clearly him playing the part he mm -hmm. knows he has to play. Yes, very um, much. Because There's if a he says here. the wrong thing here, yeah, if he says the wrong thing, he's getting replaced and he knows it. Mm -hmm. Because he was placed there by Santiago, but with Clark's approval because Clark thinks he knows who he is. Right. And so we've established that in all the conspiracy stuff and the the background and the, the low-key resistance stuff we've seen. And so... He just, he knows he's on ISN. He knows there's a billion something people watching this. He's got to do these things. And he does it good. Yeah, he's walking a very fine line. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. We get a shout out to former Senator Hidoshi in this <sighs> interview, too. I caught that, too. Um, yeah, so he must be retired now. 
Yeah, she tries to throw B5 management. I'm saying that with quotes around it under the bus. Yeah. So I'm like, is she talking about Sinclair did a bad job? The committee did a previous committee did a bad job. Former Senator Hidoshi did a bad job. Like, mm-hmm. what is her angle? I'm not totally clear on that, but. Well, it all lines up with Clark, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, they call it out later. It's it's jingoistic bullshit. I think I say that three or four times over the course of my notes. <laughs> you can't nod in this episode, yeah. Yeah, well, even Sheridan says it at one point. And I was just mm-hmm. all like, oh, <laughs> Validated. Right, exactly. And it's just, it's that attitude. It's, you know, Clark is preparing Earth for a isolationist shift. And when you try to be an isolationist power, Owning and running the UN doesn't exactly fit in with that. Right. These two things are diametrically opposed. And if you want to cut budget for more warships, a good place to do it would be to have this not be what it is. Yeah. You can't have the peace station sucking up some of those precious dollars, credits, whatever we call them. This is also an episode I just want to point out if you haven't watched it recently, listener. That you got to watch it. You can't just sit there and listen to it and do something else because you get some fun stuff that pops up on the screen. There's lots of in the backgrounds like you have on your local Mm -hmm. news. You know, like someone sees a camera and a reporter. There's people freaking out like and waving into the background of the camera Mm -hmm. consistently. And then the ISN folks also have little things that pop up on the screen. And one of them that pops up in this scene is uh, that we've got the new Lloyds of London odds on Babylon 5. (laughs) On their success. <laughs> so that's a good running Fucking gag for me. Still around. <laughs> <laughs> There's Las Vegas and New Vegas ads. Uh-huh. Love that. New Vegas uh, is on Mars yeah. for JMS's uh, notes on Usenet. Obviously. Obviously that, you know, Vegas moves to Mars, of course. Yeah. Well, I've never been very much on gambling. We cut to Dr. Franklin, who is being maudlin in the very finest Alan Alda tradition. For sure. He tells us this story about when he was a kid. I think he says he's oh my god, he was yeah, young he tells at least. Story about when he's a kid. He goes for he goes on a rant about how terrible space is, like mm-hmm. at first. And honestly, it gave me big Star Trek two thousand nine McCoy vibes. Yeah, what a fucking story he tells, right? Yeah, he knew someone who accidentally spaced themselves. Just... How do airlocks not have safeties? Yeah. Like, I feel like if you're asking me to design an airlock mm-hmm. today. With zero spacefaring experience and zero airlock design experience, the third thing I'm doing besides the two door, like it's door one, door two, closed room, safety. Uh (laughs) Like you've got cameras. You should be able to tell if the person in there is in a space suit or not before you open the other door. Is there a living organism in here? We have this technology. We can say yes or no definitively very quickly. No, open the door. Yes, are they in a spacesuit? I could write this with a Microsoft Connect, a Raspberry Pi, <laughs> and two hours of time. It is not that difficult. It's really important, actually. Yeah. So important. How is this a thing? This whole conversation, this whole scene, I was thinking, wow, this is his story is really taking a shot at Garibaldi. Because we can count many times that Garibaldi has jokingly mm-hmm. or, you know, it's some sort of threat to space someone or throw them out an airlock. I don't think it's funny. And mm-hmm. Dr. Franklin is very traumatized by this. And I kind of makes me yeah. want to go back and see if any of these threats have been around Franklin. 
but I feel like they have, and I feel like he got it, gave him a bunch of shit about one. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, now we know I feel why. Like there was one time where he was talking about spacing a bunch of lurkers, and he's just all like, "You knock that the fuck off." Yeah. So he earning he's... our explicit rating this episode. <laughs> if there's any time to do it, it's now. Yeah, this story is terrible about just this kid getting airlocked. Yeah, and oh. my son was like, "Surely you do die instantly in space," and I'm like, "No, no." no. Mm. He he doesn't believe it, but he doesn't have to find out, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. You would eventually suffocate, but you don't freeze. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that they get wrong here. His eyes, well, they might have been frozen. So the whole thing with freezing in space is temperature is a property of matter. There is no matter mm-hmm. in a vacuum. Right. So space would be a void. Is, a true void is, is temperatureless. Temperature is not a state that it has. That's wild. And so you wouldn't lose temperature because you, it, there's no matter touching you to transfer the temperature to. You are the temperature. You are the temperature, exactly. Now, given the story is like they had just kind of taken off from space, there might be enough like ambient atmosphere and moisture surrounding the ship still uh, that okay. it hasn't completely purged. I don't know how much of that stuff sticks onto a ship. Mm-hmm. and how far they were. We don't know how close they were. So theoretically, and also there could have been air in the airlock that had, mm-hmm. when it purged, sure. if it didn't suck all the air in and then open the door, if it just opened the door and let space do the work, then there would have been all the air there that could have transferred temperature to. But really, you don't freeze. It's, it's a whole thing. Thanks for the physics lesson. Anytime. <laughs> Okay, so Cynthia reminds us about all the violence, accidents, deaths, things, people that have died on the station before she cuts to Jakar and some of the Narn population that have announced that the Centauri were carrying WMDs. Nuclear weapon. Nuclear weapon. Nuclear weapon. Dun, dun, dun. That's why they shot the ship down. Yeah, he's... Look, Jakar is totally sure Iraq had those weapons of mass destruction, and their 10 wanton attack was totally justified, all right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oops, did I did I say Iraq? My bad. <laughs> At least uh, these can, you know, there's debris we can scan. We can we can actually find something theoretically. Oh, in the next scene, Cynthia tells us about there's a new office of public morale, and that mm-hmm. President Clark, according to this office of public morale, is becoming more popular due to his whole Earth First thing. And then she introduces us to a new guy. We haven't seen this guy before. Senator Robert Quantrell. He's supposedly the new chairman of the B-5 Oversight Committee. This guy. Does this guy look familiar to you at all? You know, he's got that that familiarity. From something we've watched? Maybe something we've watched on this podcast? Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, it's Captain Bosch from Chud. You're the most hideous fucking Chud I've ever met. Check your basement. And your bathroom. I'm Captain Bosch. Oh my god. I don't know why I didn't catch that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well I had to triple check. He's because I'm just... like, there's no way. There's no way Captain Bosch is in Babylon 5 in our Chud podcast and I didn't call it out. Or maybe we've even did and forgot about it, but No, I don't think we did. It's like, no. oh no, I would have I did so much digging into these actors, I wouldn't have missed this. And it's literally like if you look at his IMDb page, 
it's like Babylon 5 and Chud are like the two top things. <laughs> oh, this poor man. <laughs> oh, Chud, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I know that you didn't want to watch it. <laughs> and listener, I can statistically prove that you didn't want to listen to us talk about it. <laughs> but we <Aww>. did. <laughs> See, all those people that skipped that episode, don't you wish you had now? Don't. It's... I mean, it are, I think no, yeah, it's a fine, fine episode of our podcast, but the movie is trash. <laughs> nah, yeah. It's uh, it's an hour and a half. I'll never get back. Yeah, you're right. He's throwing a lot of shade at Earth and how uh, they might have a chance against him in Bari now. And then Sheridan just oh. is so pissed. <laughs> yeah, he's just such a jackass because he's, you know, he's like the new chairman of the committee, but he's like, nah, I hate this job. Yeah. Like, we're trying to make it work. It costs a lot of money. We don't need it now that our military is so strong. We can take on anybody. We don't need peace. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Sheridan is pissed. Yeah. They must have shown him this footage, right? Yeah, for sure. Because <laughs> he responds to it directly. He calls out the jingoism, the armchair quarterbacking. And I think there's maybe a good allegory there that Sheridan is also calling him a draft dodger. Mm. Because he mentions, you know, some of us fought in the yeah. war. <laughs> and the implication there is that some of you didn't. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so at the end of this, Cynthia kind of revises the actuality of the past by reminding Sheridan. Sheridan references the Mimbari War like it was lost. Mm -hmm. And she reminds him that we yeah, won. Yeah, we won the war. The Mimbari surrendered. So I, it makes me wonder, like, is that her revising the past or do civilians legitimately not know how close the war was to being lost they were out they were literally destroying everything outside of earth orbit like i don't think you yeah. cannot know that do yeah, that'd be surely, like 9 11 right? happening and you not knowing you know like at least yeah. if you were in america at that time you know yeah. like you, you were you were cognizant of it just like any other right. attack on a country that i'm sure if you were living in you would be aware of it so there's no way you could know. This scene has another one of those moments right at the end that is just a masterpiece to yeah. me. When Sheridan is clearly frustrated with her lack of understanding or, or recognition of the full situation and that he also can't enlighten her at yeah. all. Big mood. After this, we get a interview with Ivana Nova. Oh, God. She commits two terrible crimes here. <laughs> this reporter... She mispronounces Ivanova's name and characterizes her as perky. Yeah. <laughs> Those are great crimes. Uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, personally, I understand so much. <laughs> on, a yeah. on a very deep level, I understand having someone mispronounce your name so terribly and mm -hmm. just not having the energy to correct them. Just like it's not worth yeah. the five minutes it's going to take you to teach you to pronounce my name. So we're just going to move on with our lives. Poor Ivanova. Poor Jafar. <laughs> At the end, though, she's just all like, that can't be the whole story. And she's just like, yes, <laughs> it's not. Fuck <laughs> off. Chef's kiss. To move the story along, she tells us that the team is looking through the Centauri mm -hmm. debris to see if she can corroborate the Narn claims at all. And then we cut to Garibaldi. We haven't seen him yet yeah. this episode. And like most cops, he's instantly worried about getting fired as soon as he knows he's on camera. Oh, my God. Isn't that very telling right. <laughs> that the first thing out of your mouth is the not confidence inspiring line that you're just trying not to get fired yeah. here? 
man. <laughs> Boy, <sighs> that's a big mood, too. Ivanova interrupts their interview, thank God, to tell them that the sweep results are in. And she tells Garibaldi she needs him right now. Yeah. We get another sort of, like, mixing it up mm -hmm. piece. Cynthia goes to visit Kosh, and it goes exactly as expected. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, Aaron pointed out in the scene, he was like, Kosh Naranek, huh? Like, I don't know that we'd really heard his full name oh, yet. Maybe we haven't. Because he, he didn't know it. You know, maybe it's something he missed in an earlier episode. But you and I know Kosh's full name. Cause, yeah, it comes up. You know, we've, we've seen enough. But yeah, <laughs> he tries to leave his quarters and immediately backs <laughs> away. like, bye. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> so she's really disappointed. And instead, she goes to torture Delenn. Oh, this scene. This is a lot. There's actually a little bit uh, JMS's notes on this where, like, yeah. culturally, this is probably the most disrespectful thing in Mimbari culture is to, like, How so? is to take someone, like, because their leaders, like, you don't even know who their leaders are, right? Like, yeah. their leaders, there's absolute trust in their leaders that they're going to operate for the benefit of all Mimbari society. And they remained mm -hmm. hidden in the populace to better understand the populace at a ground level is, I think, the idea. Sure. You know, like they're of the people definitively. And that mm -hmm. also means that they've never been questioned only by their peers. Have you, Would you ever be questioned if no one knows if no one knows your great counsel? Right. Mm -hmm. And then you no one would be able to be like, hey, so why do we start that war with the humans? Like this would never happen in Mimbari culture because the only people who would mm -hmm. know you were of a position to make these decisions are also of a position to make these decisions or like your aides and your support staff, like the, the people who intrinsically have your back as their job. And so for mm -hmm. like, I don't even know if the Mimbari have like news media. There's got to be something you would oh, think. Good, good but, point. <laughs> um, yeah. You wouldn't be able to like just interview gray council members on Mimbari news. Like this is not something that happens culturally for them. Yeah, because anybody could be. Yeah, that. and right. so for okay. her to just be questioned on the validity of her decision making, totally it never would never be a thing that even occurs to her, culturally speaking. Yeah. And so when it happens and she doesn't have answers, you know, she's just so shook. I mean, she starts crying. Um, yeah, it's really it emotional. And she, I mean, she tells you, you know, her decision was altruistic. She literally gave up a piece of herself to be a bridge between our two peoples. And it's like, we didn't mm -hmm. ask you for that. She's like, we might actually find this insulting. Yeah. And it's not something Dylan really considered because she's literally doing it out of the goodness of her heart. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, they make nice for a second and then Cynthia just goes for the jugular. Oh, it's very right. sad. It hurts. She gets saved by the beep. As she gets called to the council yep. chambers. There's a lot of saved by the beep in this episode. <laughs> beep, beep. It must be earth humor. Yeah, so we all get called to the council room. Of course, Cynthia's coming along. And Jakar is riling up all the non-aligned worlds because he has heard the news that, yes, the Centauri ships were carrying mm -hmm. weapons. Sheridan's wearing his dress uniform, which just fabulous. Mm -hmm. Whenever we break these things out, I'm always happy. I don't think... There's a dress uniform I like better than the Babylon 5 ones. It's my fave. I love the uniforms that are coming. Yeah. The, the, they're not, are they black? They're black and green with purple, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'd have to just I just remember the cut of them being yeah. excellent. I like these ones yeah. too. Uh, when Jakar's going off about the uh, parts that are found in there, he does note that they found components for mass drivers, which uh-huh. is we know those are bad. We know those are bad. Um, they don't tell us what they mm-hmm. are yet. I don't think they've told us what they are, right. but we'll definitely find out later in the series what they are. And mm-hmm. uh, it is. I have a, a mass driver card in my Babylon 5 cards, I think. Yeah. going to be a big thing. Londo's trying to be a pedantic jerk by pointing out the weapons were transferred off the station, like outside of the station. So it's fine. Yeah. And he's crying about his sovereign rights like a little baby. This whole fight is just excellently paced. Yeah. Everything is so, like, rapid fire back and forth. These actors nailed all their spots. So they're trying to get the Centauri to agree to leave, try to figure out the situation, but then the power goes out. Power flickers, we head to the outside cameras, which I do question how Cynthia's, like, (laughs) wired into everything. Right. (laughs) I mean, I I guess the low-key implication, and I didn't think of it until just now, is that they're op- I mean, clearly they're operating with EarthGov support. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something they were given as part of this trip. Was all Good like, point. Here, here's yeah. a console. Like, <laughs> Don't ask me how you got this, but here's a console that'll let you see the outside cameras of Babylon 5 in case you need it. Yeah. That is, I can, I can buy that explanation. Yeah. yeah. Sheridan, after this, authorizes force in defending the station as a fight breaks out. There's freighters right now, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Right now we've got freighters fighting one another. Narn and Centauri. Yeah, Narn and Centauri freighters are fighting each other. Uh, they send out mm-hmm. Star Furies to try and calm them down and be like, knock it off. And then they fire and Sheridan says, we've got to defend the occupants of the station. And the Star mm-hmm. Furies disable a handful of the Centaurian Narn ships. Yeah. Notably, our Star Furies are firing only at weapons and engines. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to kill anybody. We're just trying to disable everybody. Yeah. And we throw everybody in the brig mm-hmm. after they surrender. After this, we get an interview with Jakar explaining the Centauri occupation. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah. This is, this is heavy. I think this is the most details we've gotten on it. We've had vague illusions yeah. prior, but now we get a personal story attached to it. We get such a personal story and such details, given Jakar's kind of, MO, I have to wonder if this is falsified. Really? I would not I would not be surprised either way, to be perfectly honest. But Jakar mm-hmm. knows the power of propaganda. He knows what he's on. He knows mm-hmm. he's on ISN. He knows that this is how you get the humans to help you in your war, which is something he's been trying to do. Yeah. He he does tie it to the humans too. He ties it to the humans in two ways. So he talks about slavery and he does make it sound like like he could have watched, you know, like something terrible like birth of a nation or something and come up with this story very easily Mm -hmm. for what slavery was like on earth. And then also he says, you know, never again, which is of course reference to the Holocaust. And so just like to do those things to kind of tap into the human zeitgeist and their experiences of slavery. So specifically, Mm -hmm. you know, it seems, it seems almost too convenient to me not that I, t- I i cast no doubt on jakar's suffering at the hands of centauri the suffering of his family the mm-hmm. suffering of his people during the occupation all of that i 100 believe is true they were clearly enslaving the narn 
it's clearly part of their culture that they don't even care about it. You know, all of these things happened, but this specific story just seems a little yeah. bit too clean for human audiences on what would be a relatable experience based off of Earth history. It is a very convenient story. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those situations where in his mind he has adapted someone else's story for mm -hmm. a quick elevator pitch. Yeah. To a species about why we need your help. That that's a totally believable idea. Yeah, and even if it's not 100% true, it could be 75% true. Mhm. Mm and still yeah. still check out with everything. Mm -hmm. I should have googled if this was actually true cuz it's probably a known detail at this point. Oh surely. Surely that there's a Usenet or a yeah. A note somewhere. Yeah, I didn't see anything from JMS saying that he Jakar made it up, but that doesn't mean that mm -hmm. it's not somewhere else. Yeah, and the the story itself is, you know, basically his family was serving in a household, mm -hmm. a Centauri household. His father spilled hot jala on the most important lady in the house and got murdered for it, yeah. which is a kind of story that has a lot of truth in Not American just history. Was hung <laughs> in, yeah. in a tree. You know, in the yard yeah. for everyone to see. Like, that's very specific imagery relating to mm -hmm. slavery in the American South. Yeah, it's a very parallel story. And, you know, after that, Jakar became a resistance fighter. He says he killed his first Centauri the next day, but he doesn't give us any deets on that. Yeah. Um, so that's conveniently <laughs> less detailed. Cynthia asks him why Narn. And Jakar just goes into that story about colonization. You know, mm -hmm. this is the same thing that happened on your world between yourselves. And I think sort of uh, conveniently, Cynthia also asks, are you guys losing? <laughs> uh, you you seem to be just holding things and you've yeah. lost six out of the seven last battles. So it um, seemed to be going well. Just Just throwing that out there. Just stirring that pot a little mm -hmm. bit. And, you know, it sort of gives Jakar some, like, fire under his belly to do something on camera. Yeah. Almost. We get to do the whole both sides thing. Mm hmm <laughs> And hear from Londo. <laughs> yep. And he's just like, I don't know, occupation's a strong word. I'd call it a tea party. Um, <laughs> we were there. We helped the Narn. We gave him all kinds of technology, just like we gave you humans. You know, it was really the same situation as with you humans, and you guys didn't suffer. So uh, it has to just be the Narn, right? He uses the word civilized, which I have very strong feelings about. Yeah. Coming from, you know, the area of Oklahoma that was settled by, settled forcibly by the five civilized tribes. Uh, yeah. I have strong feelings about that word. So, yeah, his whole deal is dis despicable in this. He says that the Centauri left because it was too costly to be there. Which, if you're being attacked all the time, that does sound costly, doesn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, he does some really cool mental gymnastics in this whole thing. Yeah. Especially when he reminds Cynthia that the Narns are the ones who declared war. Mm -hmm. After he himself ordered the murder of tens of thousands of Narns. Right. But they declared war on us. You mm -hmm. remember that, right? Yeah, just like right? the Mbari surrendered, right? Just wild cognitive dissonance. And yep. he says that. We just want peace. Just wild. 
Yeah. And oh, by the way, we're such good guys. We sent a battle cruiser to the station or going to force a siege until you release our ships. Yeah. In CNC, a jump point comes up close to the station. Turns out it's the Centauri and Londo calls Mm -hmm. up on the TV and, you know, issues his threats. The Centauri cruiser is going to blockade us. We're not going to let anybody in or out. Yep. After this week, commercial. (laughs) So they actually got the FCC pretty upset at this. Really? Um, so at the end of the Psychor ad, there is a subliminal message. Uh-huh. Yep. It's pretty, you know, we want it to be seen. So it's pretty obvious, I yes. think, or at least it is on our HBO Max TVs. Yep. I mean, modern television and modern frame rates help because it probably doubled um, when, you, when you digitally upscale to mm-hmm. 1080p from the source, uh, you double the amount of frames that exist. So originally, so that might have made it a little longer. I, I think it did. I think it doubled the subliminal okay. message's length, to be perfectly honest. At least it doubled the from four frames to eight frames it was visible of the scene. Mm-hmm. Okay. The FCC at the time defined subliminal messages two frames or less. Okay. Um, okay. So <laughs> JMS got very matter of fact. I'm like, he clearly had a lawyer look into the rules and just <laughs> barely broke, like did not break them, just barely followed them to not mm-hmm. get in trouble. But the FCC was pissed. There was a little bit of commotion about them airing a subliminal message. That's crazy. I mean, I think this whole scene is great psychor flavor. Yeah. Like, I mean, for one thing, this commercial is so, so 90s. Like everything in this house and everything about mm-hmm. these people, they're just so 90s. But we, we just get this flavor of what psychor propaganda is like. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of had some of that flavor from our telepaths that have been on the show. But this yeah. is a little more world building flavor. And just like the, the psychor is everywhere for your convenience. <laughs> We're even in the children's hospital. Like that's just right a nightmarish line delivered with a smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I I love this scene. So this is the other one that I was thinking of when you were like, just watch this scene at least. This one, too. You've got to watch this one, too. Yeah. So uh, we cut back to everyone leaving the council chambers, and it's just ominous as fuck. We don't get to see Uh what happened in there. Like, off camera, it was clear that Sheridan banned them from the council chambers. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) later, they're all like, you know, after some aggressive negotiations, we were able to film again in these council chambers when they go back later. And so it was yeah. clear that they were just, no, get the fuck out. We're actually doing diplomacy here. We don't need your <laughs> You're cameras. making this worse. Yeah. yeah. Please get out. Sheridan says, everybody's still talking. Mm-hmm. But Jakar comes and says, now you can see. The Centauri are a menace. Yep. And we're going to do something about it. Yeah. Some vague threats. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And of course, this is a great time for Senator Quantrell to butt in with his two cents and be like, see, I told you this was just a big hassle. Yep. And he lets us know Torkman's one of the good ones, too. Oh, we yeah. We can trust so her. Gross. Right? So gross. Ugh. So back at ZNC, Sheridan activates that defense grid that mm-hmm. we got installed in Gropos, I believe. Yep. And issues some threats to the Centauri warship. Yeah. He's pretty certain they're bluffing because the Centauri kind of have a lot of bark and a little bit less bite sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> he tests their bluff by autopiloting a shuttle out. They're going to go past and presumably go through the jump gate or something. Yeah. So they make it past. Centauri Cruiser does not shoot. Yep. Everyone cheers. And then it calls them to talk. Yep. So 
just as soon as they call the talk, a Narn cruiser comes in and just starts blasting. Yeah. The uh, Narn destroy the Centauri and then explode trying to escape. Yeah. It's mutual destruction here. So uh, I think somebody references hundreds of lives lost. Cynthia does maybe in her wrap up here. You know, then she goes back and she asks all of our main characters that we've talked to, you know, is this still worth it? Overwhelmingly, the answer is yes. Yeah. Everyone says yes in varying degrees. Mm -hmm. Jakar doesn't know. Yeah. Jakar's a little apprehensive. But he's also mm -hmm. just playing the hand right now. He's like, I don't know. The human's going to join the war. <laughs> <laughs> Londo tries to frame that Centauri blockade as peaceful protest. Yeah. In his Delenn extols the virtues of communities. Mm -hmm. Senator Quantrell is just a dick. And Sheridan says yes, because Babylon 5 needs to create peace, not enforce peace. Mm -hmm. His speech here, he's the mm -hmm. captain now. Like 100%. Yeah. This speech was the moment where it's all like, this is his station. He gets it. Because it's yeah. exactly that. Like you said, it's about building the peace. And he talks about remembering why we look to the stars in the first place. Mm -hmm. It yeah. is very much Sheridan's take of the speech that Sinclair gives yeah. in season one about why we go to the stars. Yeah, he's channeling his inner Sinclair here. Mm -hmm. um, I really liked when he talked about, you know, think about your ancestors and your inheritors. Mm -hmm. Like, we've got to be using the work of our ancestors to build the future for our inheritors. And just don't feel like people think about that enough, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that. I loved that. And then we get Cynthia Torkman signing off. Mm -hmm. Dateline ISN is over. So on a scale of Babylon 1 to 5, where you at? This may be a little strong, but for me, this is a Babylon 5 episode. It's a great episode. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I wrote down four and a half. Just, it's a fantastic episode all around. Um, it's a, such a fun concept. Yeah, it's such a like new and interesting kind of episode mm -hmm. that we hadn't seen. Fun premise. You know, the editing is great because we get some of those moments that it's like somebody just said something, but you can see on their face that that's just mm -hmm. <laughs> not not the reality. There's double meanings to the things people say. There's a sharp juxtaposition of perspectives. And yep. there are some really just memorable, quick vignettes. We got so much in this episode. We did. This is, I mean, and when it aired, this was something that was unheard of. I was reading notes about JMS talking about how he wasn't sure Warner Brothers was going to approve the script. Wow, yeah. Uh, because it was too much like a news show and not an episode of Babylon 5 at all. And he mm -hmm. even... Uh, went on records like, I don't know of another sci-fi show that has done this before. I think this is something wholly original oh, yeah. that we're doing. Yeah. It's great. Definitely not in Star Trek. Like, you know, if, that's the thing we always compare Babylon 5 to, yeah. right? It's it's so natural since they were on at the same time, but there's no Star Trek like this. No. I'm sure another sci-fi show has done it. I don't know what offhand. Honestly, I think mm -hmm. it'd be really interesting to get a Star Wars episode like this at some point. Mm. Um, with all the yeah. TV they've been doing lately, it'd be very interesting to see like an Imperial Remnant news show covering what's uh -huh. going on. Maybe there's a Mandalorian episode for you. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens with Andor. That'd probably be the perfect setting for that. Oh yeah, good point. Good um, point. But yeah, um, no, I thought it was great. Great episode. This is one of my favorites. Just memorable as heck. It it builds a lot into it through that framework of news show. Yeah. And you get so much world built 
with more background on Narns and the the flavor of the Psychor and the sponsorship by interplanetary expeditions, just mm-hmm. little pieces. It's just chock full. I love it. Yeah. And so much of it, like none of it was new. Mm-hmm. Like nothing is introduced in this episode except for Lieutenant Corwin's name. You know, it's all callbacks. <laughs> it's all references. And to have done that much world building in under 50 episodes of TV show, whatever episode number this is. Yeah, just like to have that much world building done already. Just great. Fantastic. Well, what do we have coming up next time? Season two, episode 15, There All Honor Lies. Sheridan is charged with murdering a prominent Mimbari, and the Centauri government wants to replace Veer as Lando's assistant. Oh, no. Those are two bad things. Yep. I remember the Veer bit in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's very memorable. It's very memorable. I'm wondering if I'm getting the other part confused with the season one episode with the funeral. Mm-hmm. Or was that even season two? Was that early Sheridan with the Mimbari? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. There's a lot of like human Minbari tension involving attempted murder or actual murder mm-hmm. in this show so far. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to that episode, if nothing else, because we're going to get some quality of your time. 100%. All right. Well, we'll review that episode next week. Um, Until then, we want to say some thank yous. Uh, Thank you to Jeremy Siegel for our lovely theme music. You can find more of his music at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com. And thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine on Instagram for our podcast artwork. And shoot us an email, whoareub5 at gmail.com, or join the Discord community that we have, where we'll talk about all this stuff over the next week, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. And you can send your get well wishes to Jafer. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week, Internet. All right. 